If you haven't noticed yet, this week has a theme, and that theme is fandom. So yeah, we're continuing today, and I want to just kind of reiterate my core thesis when it comes to fandom over and over and over again. Fandom is about community, not canon. So all you canon lawyers, please just be quiet. We'll talk about that on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my latest book, Crucify My Love. And today we're talking about my idea, my thesis, my firm and ever-present belief that fandom is about community and not about canon and all that other crap. But before we get into it, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance that we interact with each other. And after all, that's why I do this in the first place. I want to say thank you to everybody who's already done that. All right. So, oh my goodness, this is something that drives me crazy when people try to make fandom about things that it's not. Fandom is about community. Fandom is community. Without community, there is no fandom. And yes, you can have a community around canon. You can have a community around cosplay. You can have a community around fan art. You can have a community around fan fiction, fan films. You can have a community around a specific character. You can have a community around a specific type of slash. That's all possible. Yes. But it is the community that is important and not the canon or any of the other associated ephemera that often gets included in here. One of the things that irritates me more and more and more about the current state of Star Trek fandom is this idea that has gotten into people's heads that Star Trek has ever had a canon. It does not. I'm not going to reiterate that for the thousandth time. Go back to my previous episodes on that specific topic if you would like to know more. But it doesn't have a specific canon. Canon for Star Trek is whatever the writers need it to be at that particular moment in time. That's what it's always been, and that's what it will always be. There are characters that have siblings that disappear. There are characters whose complete identities change. Kirk was a nerd in the Academy. He says so himself in the episode Shoreleave. In fact, there's, that's an entire plot point where we meet his bully in, from Starfleet. Finnegan, his bully. The kid that bullied him all throughout his Starfleet career, his early career in the Academy and afterwards. Yet, okay, we're going to let J.J. Abrams make him cool when he was a kid. And that's fine, because it's a parallel universe and blah, 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 blah. But 
that's a fundamental change to the character of James T. Kirk that will make him into a completely different person because the James T. Kirk that existed in the original series did not like bullies because he had one. And thus, the character has a trait. Does Star Trek care that this was set up? No. For everybody who got upset about suddenly Spock having a sister that nobody's ever heard of, well, Spock had a brother nobody ever heard of. Cybok, Star Trek V. I know we don't talk about it, because it's not that great of a movie, but yeah, he had a brother. An older brother. And he never talks about him. Doesn't talk about him before. Doesn't talk about him after. He just exists in Star Trek V. Because he does. It's not about the canon. It's about the collected stories and how the stories make us feel. It's about the community that develops around it. And with Star Trek, that community has traditionally been built around the philosophy that anyone can be anything, and that infinite diversity and infinite combination is powerful, that it makes us stronger than we would be alone. Community is what makes fandom great. It's what makes it strong. It's why cosplaying came into existence in the first place. Like, I know there are cosplayers now who do it like semi-professionally and maybe even some professionally, and they really love making the costumes and everything. But originally, cosplaying was about self-identification. You made yourself a Star Trek uniform. You made yourself a, a marine uniform. You, you, you took on the trappings of the genre, of the series that you loved so that you were identifiable to others. Why did I often wear various Star Trek pins when I was a kid? So other people would see me and immediately know I was a Star Trek fan. Because I wanted to meet every Star Trek fan I could. I used to wear Bajoran earrings to school. Because one, I, I really like them, they're comfortable, and I think they look cool. But also, anybody who knows what that is would recognize it and talk to me. I would wear them to work because they didn't violate dress code at the place that I worked at the time. Because people would recognize them. I sold a lot of stuff because Star Trek fans would come up to me and start talking, and before they knew it, they bought something from the store because I worked on commission, honey. But I didn't do it to make money. I did it because I wanted to meet other Star Trek fans. I wanted to meet other people that loved the work that I loved too. I wanted to meet other people that loved the fiction that moved me and that were interested in the ideas and the philosophy and the world. And we can talk about all of those things and we can have contention about all of those things. We can talk forever about who's the best captain in Star Trek history. And it's Cisco. It's always going to be Cisco. And don't at me, because you're not going to change my mind. Cisco is the best captain in Star Trek. <laughs> he just is. And Deep Space Nine is the best of the Star Trek shows. Because it is. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. And it's not because I'm cold or callous or anything. It's because that's my opinion. I have rewatched every series of Star Trek more than you want to know. And I can tell you quite clearly, 
that's my favorite. He's my favorite captain. That's my favorite series. I get very excited when it comes up in my Star Trek rotation because I watch some Star Trek every day because I'm that kind of nerd. Geek, whatever you want to call me. But that's how it works. I have my opinion. You have yours. We can discuss. We can debate. For goodness sakes, as long as we keep it jovial, we can really get into it about certain things. But in the end, it's the community that matters. And this is where we've gotten so messed up in our culture and in our world today that people are more concerned about being right or wrong about things that there aren't right or wrong answers to than they are about having friends, about having a community, about building something better, bigger than themselves. And that's troubling to me. You see, we can all try to put together our equations to say whether or not this or that or the other thing should be or shouldn't be or makes sense or doesn't make sense within a story or a setting, or whether it was just blatant fan service, this, that, or the other thing, like the season finale of Star Trek Discovery was. But yeah, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. See, for every person that wants to point out that the Enterprise D was one of the first ships to have a holodeck, I'll just point out the animated series where holographic technology was used by the original cast of Star Trek, which was on a show made by Gene Roddenberry, including voice talent of the original series cast. Now, maybe they're saying that that's canon, or that that episode is canon. Does it matter? No, because it's fiction. Like many of the things that we believe in our lives and in this world, it's all fiction. Yesterday I did an episode about how all fiction is fan fiction. Most beliefs are fiction. Democracy is a fiction. Totalitarianism is a fiction. Yes, they can actually have effects in the real world because all stories can have an effect in the real world. But none of these things exist empirically in the world. They are the result of the stories that we tell ourselves. Community is the result of the story we tell ourselves. And when we tell ourselves that only people that agree or believe the same as me are right or worthy or welcome in our community, then we've derailed ourselves and have gotten off into a strange and bizarre tangent and danger looms around every corner. As Yoda wisely said, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And there's enough of that in the world already, don't you think? Now, I know there are going to be some people out there that take umbrage with me saying that democracy is a story, that it's not something that empirically exists. It's not. It's an idea written on paper that is enforced by the communal story that we tell ourselves and the actions that we take within that story to make it a reality. It is only a reality if it is enacted, if it is performed like a play. Democracy is a performative act. Most of the things that we will find that you will find in your life don't actually exist. They are a performative act. They exist because we go through the script, we play the role. 
We enact the idea. We enact the story. And in doing so, we make it come to life. We make it real. We give it an identity and a reality that it never would have had without our participation in it. That's true for most of our beliefs, most of our ideas, most of our ideals. For goodness sakes, math might not even really exist. And that's a whole topic for another episode if you want me to do it. Numbers may be something that we just invented. They may be a convenient fiction that resembles reality and not actually reality itself. Because which came first, the notion of two or the reality of two? That's a big question in mathematics. And how you answer it really does affect the way the universe itself works, at least in the story that you tell yourself about it. Because it's a question without an answer. You see, most of the questions that we ask ourselves in our daily lives are questions without answers. Yes, we can collect data. Yes, we can know empirically what the results of something is. But to know if it was exactly the right thing to do, well, that's where things get murky. Would Medicare for all be great for people? Well, you can debate your philosophy versus my philosophy, but in the end, no one will know unless we actually try it. And I'm not trying to make this political, I'm trying to prove a point. You see, we know how trickle-down economics works because we told ourselves a story, we tested it, it didn't work. We tried it for decades, and it didn't work. But to hold on to these ideas as if they're anything more than just an idea, they're a notion, they're a plot point in a story that we tell ourselves. And this is a problem that I've really had when it comes to my own expression of gender. What is gender? Gender is a very amorphous thing, and in a lot of it, it's the story that we tell ourselves that gender is this or gender is that. Yes, I have my feelings, I have my experience of gender, and what my gender is. But to the wider world, gender is the story that they tell themselves. It is the story that we collectively tell. If you tell a story in which gender only has two characters, male and female, and everything exists within the binary, then anybody like me who exists outside of that binary is not going to fit into your story. And for someone like me, who sees the binary as kind of illusory, well, yes, there are some people that are probably definitely 100% men or 100% women. That's probably as small a minority as you could even imagine, because most of the stereotypical male traits and female traits that exist out there in the world and the stories that we tell ourselves, I see in multiple people. So... What is their gender? What is it really? What does it matter? Everything is a story. Community is a story. And that story changes over time. It develops, it grows. New ideas are introduced and old ideas die off. And the story continues. That's true in fandom. And that's true in our daily lives. Everything that we do is about story. And that idea is frightening to some people, because people want absolutes. It's one of the reasons why people cling to canon in fiction so strongly. 
Well, it says on page blah, blah, blah of book, blah, blah, blah in the series, blah, 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 that this is this. And so that is that. Well, did that narrator actually know the answer? Were they right? They may have been wrong. See, unreliable narration is a part of storytelling. What, what was the Enterprise always a part of the Federation? Was Kirk wrong when he said United Earth Vessel? United Earth Ship? Should he have said Federation Ship? Well, the idea of the Federation hadn't come into Star Trek yet, so he couldn't have said that. But why did he say United Earth? What do we do with United Earth? Well, we create United Earth. Well, but what does that mean? See, we give these things meaning. We give these ideas meaning. And we do that by telling more stories about them. You see, no matter what you want to have, no matter what you want to believe in, no matter what you want to love, it is the story that matters. It is the story that makes it what it is. And for some people, like I said, that may be a frightening idea that may be beyond what they want to accept. But for me, it's so comforting because I know that it's all about the story. So you have to find where you are in the plot. Who are the heroes? Who are the villains? And realize that they are the heroes and villains of this story because of the frame that the story has taken. See, there are some stories where you can change the protagonist and everything else flips on its head. Not a lot, but some. And this is the problem that we have with politics. This is the problem that we have with religion. This is the problem that we have with everything. And it's bleeding into the thing that's supposed to be there for fun and distraction. We forget that this is about the story and enacting that story and participating in that story. And we make it into something concrete and rigid. Nothing in this universe is rigid. As firm as a mountain looks, the wind and the rain will grind it to sand. Nothing is permanent. Nothing lasts forever. Especially not when it comes to the ideas that are in a writer's head. So whether you like the new stuff or you don't like the new stuff, it doesn't change the old stuff. You don't like J.K. Rowling's revelation of who Nagini really is? Then ignore it. Let Nagini be whatever you want Nagini to be. You don't have to accept her version of the story because she's the writer. Yeah, we've done entire episodes on death of the author. But this is beyond that. See, the story is whatever you want that story to be. To the majority of people, they think Crookshanks in the Harry Potter series is a cat. Crookshanks is not a cat. And J.K. Rowling didn't have to tell me that, even though she eventually did. But see, I read F Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And there's a Fantastic Beast in there that is sounds like Crookshanks. And I'm pretty sure is Crookshanks. What, what, well, what Crookshanks is, I'm not going to give spoilers because the discovery is half the fun. So in my headcanon, and in actual canon, because J.K. Rowling has confirmed it, Crookshanks is not a cat. Is it worth fighting over whether or not Crookshanks is a cat? No. Because it may or may not affect how you read the story. The idea that there is this fantastical creature running around with Harry, Hermione, and Ron 
throughout all of these stories. And that that fantastic creature was able to ferret out exactly who Scabbers was. Yeah, that's magic. And that makes the stories even deeper for me. It may not even matter to you. Because fandom is about community. And community is just the stories that we tell around the campfire to keep away the cold, long, dark night. And hopefully you find that idea as comforting as I do. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please do rate this podcast and whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, please, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean, so I can use it on the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. I'm C.E. Dorset on both. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. Yeah, you can tell I'm kind of passionate about this, can't you? Uh, it's a thing. If, while you're in the show notes, you have a feeling that maybe you could give me some money to help support all the things that I'm doing, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and the community and the listener support system. The difference between the two is the people on Patreon occasionally get stuff. So that would be great if you could do that. If not, that's fine. I want to say thank you to everybody who is doing that. But if you don't feel like giving right now or you don't have any money, trust me, I totally 100% feel your pain. But if you know somebody that you think might like the work that I'm doing, do share it with them. That helps out a lot too. How's your nano going? Are you hitting your goals? Friday is the episode that I'm going to be talking about mine, and I would love to hear about yours. You can use that voice message system to let me know how you're doing, or you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. I would love to share your stories as long as well as mine in the process of getting the books written. So until next time, and I can't remember whose outro this is, but may you write all the words. Because I love that. And until next time, Don't forget, have the fun. Bye.